3: Hi there, I'm Jay. I'm editor and founder of the EaglesBeak.com Palace fan site by fans for fans. You get us on Twitter at The Eagles Beak. I'm also producer and co host of the Meridian Sports Show, a local community sports show that is on air every Tuesday evening. You can get online uh, and interact on Twitter. You can get us there uh, at The Meridian SS.
1: Hi, I'm Russ Golden, host of Cottage Talk, a podcast about Fulham Football Club. You can follow the show on Twitter at Cottage Talk. You can follow me on Twitter Russ underscore Goldman and you can actually listen to Cottage Talk on all kinds of uh, devices uh, including Spreaker.
4: Hello, I'm Gitter. I'm delighted to be back on the podcast after a long time off. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Gitto Sewelin. I also contribute to the JackCast podcast uh, all about Swansea City and you can find that on Twitter at the JackCast.
2: All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys, and get to welcome back after a long absence that will hopefully be shortened based on promotion, but we'll see how that goes. Um, We'll start off with the FA Cup, obviously an FA Cup weekend, not a Premier League one, so we'll stick there mostly, although myself and Ross have less to talk about in that regard. Um, But I wanted to start with uh, the fact that so many big clubs have already been knocked out, because nine of the last ten FA Cup winners have come from the top four of the Premier League. Manchester United, the only ones that could finish in the top four that are still left in the competition this season. Do you think that this is the year somebody outside of that block of four will win the trophy?
3: Well, obviously, from a Palace perspective, it's vested interests, so um, (laughs) I'm going to say yes. I I think for clubs like Palace and, and, and Guto on here, probably agree Swansea to a certain extent as well, but Wolves, Brighton, Watford... It's a massive opportunity. I mean, United play Chelsea tomorrow night, and I think a lot of fans looked at the draw in, for the fifth round particularly, and saw that United and Chelsea were drawn together, and thinking it's kind of rubbing their hands together, thinking if we if we can get a kind draw in the next round, which is exactly what Palace had. No, no offense to Doncaster, uh, a League One side playing really well, and they weren't easy to get past today, as as you guys saw. But we did a professional job, got through, and the opportunity is there. We're in the last eight. We're in a. I would say it's a horrific um group of teams we're we're at, we're we're mixed with because while it's an opportunity, we've got the likes of Brighton who are rivals for us, we've got Millwall rivals for us, Man United potentially who we never do very well in this competition against, um, and also Watford, who we have previous with as well. So there's quite a few uh matchups there that could be quite tasty. Um but hey, not mind about it, quarter final place. Uh, I think that's just the third time uh, since 1990 that we've got into the quarterfinals. So You know, perhaps history is on our side. But I think from a Palace perspective, it's it's a massive opportunity for us. You know, being a Premier League side, a lot of fans look at the Premier League thinking it's a bit boring. You know, trying to survive each season is a bit boring. Um, And this is our sixth consecutive season in the Premier League for uh, for Palace. You know, it's the first time we've done that. Uh, We're making history. Uh, Each season we stay in the Premier League. So hopefully we can do it for another season and make it seven next year. But a lot of fans have questions. you know, I mean, I've even seen comments from fans saying they'd rather be in a championship. And that's just a horrific thing to say, as, as I'm sure Guto uh, and Russell testified. the championship is a mad, crazy division and you can't wish to be in that division. I'd much rather be playing against you know, top top footballers from around the world that play in the Premier League week in, week out. I'd much rather that. I know it's a little bit, you know, since Leicester won a title, it, it, you know, the top sides have kind of got together and, you know, it's going to be very, very difficult for a team to break into that top six, which makes us look at the FA Cup this year and, and the way that some of the sides have been approaching the FA Cup and not taking it seriously and and have paid the price for that you know we went to Doncaster today with a with a strong enough side you know we we do have a bit of strength in depth which we proved today uh Zaha was banned so we couldn't play him uh I won't touch on that because I'll I'll just go on and on about that um but uh, but other players you know came in and, and did a job for us that could quite easily start for us week in week out uh and and we can't fit those players in um yeah I, I just think it's a massive opportunity for palace. it really is you know if if we're lucky enough to miss out on city and or man U or Chelsea whoever get through tomorrow night um the opportunity really opens up into a semi final place obviously, I'm not taking it for granted that you know any game is easy in the quarterfinals because it really isn't, but you can't help but get excited about getting getting through the fifth round. Uh, game like we did today, get into the quarterfinals because literally anything can happen I mean, we've been there twice before um, and it, it did happen for us, we just didn't get, we just didn't win the, the, the FA Cup uh, in both those occasions, but hopefully yeah, third time lucky, you know we've, it, it's it's a huge opportunity, that's all I can say it's something that, you know, a lot of fans, you know, the magic of the FA Cup, people say it's dying and stuff like that, but this year it's it's really proven, I think there's a lot of fans you know neutral fans saying you know it, it, the fa cup doesn't it's not very inspiring this year with the, with the eight teams that potentially get through well it's probably because your team's not in it that's, <laughs> that's that's pretty much the reason for people saying that so um i i'm i'm ecstatic we're in you know in, into the into the quarterfinals um we we weren't we weren't brilliant today um you know we we played we we played a tough side here we in good form in league one two divisions below us um, again, fans are saying, you know, we, we should be beating teams like that. While I, while I agree to that, you know, we've only got to look at teams like Everton and, uh, and other sides that have gone out to lower league opposition because they just simply haven't taken them seriously enough. And that's what happens to sides. We took them seriously today, and I think we got a deserved win in the end. And yeah, um, bring on a draw tomorrow night. <laughs> Very I, good I, there, James.
4: Sorry, I, I I think a club like Palace should should be absolutely relishing this. And I think other mm. clubs. Who are in kind of a similar position to Palace will be looking at them, at Watford, at Wolves, at Brighton, and thinking, "Why can't we be in that position?" I'm looking at a club like Bournemouth, who never take the, the FA Cup. Exactly. Um, they, yeah. ne- you know, despite always being pretty safe by this stage of the season, um, they they always forfeit the cup. They never ever take it seriously, and it ju- it just shows. I mean, you know, there there is a genuine possibility if the draw is kind for um for any number of teams to make it through to to that final um this season and it is an open field and i think you said that people may may you know say oh it's not the most exciting season but i think it's really nicely poised i think mm-hmm. if you can keep city and united apart for as long as possible i think that you know could, has the potential to make a a really great storyline um, if they do draw against each other and one of them goes off, well, it's a fantastic chance then for a club that we never usually see in the final to to actually make it through to the final. I know Palace were there just a couple of seasons ago, but you know, it's something it's it would still be something out of the ordinary if they were to to get to a final. Mm. Um, and it's there's a nice little balance at the moment. And um, if we're talking about you know clubs outside of those top two who can who can you know have the potential to do it, I think everybody needs a bit of luck in the draw but I'm looking at Wolves and looking at the way they performed against um, some of the biggest teams in the Premier League this season. And I think of the four Premier League teams that are outside that um, traditional top six, I think they're the ones who probably have the best chance of of causing an upset and actually going all the way. I I think anybody apart from City and United are going to be massive underdogs at this stage. But if any team is going to do it, I think Wolves probably have the players... Um, and the kind of mindset to do it. I mean, they're, they're perfectly safe. They're, I think they're only one point off the forty-point mark, um, just outside the top six. You know, they've played well all season. They've had they've had draws against City and United already, so there won't be any kind of fear factor involved for them. Um, they've got players who are used to big occasions as well, which um, which definitely helps. So I'd say Wolves are probably the team that um, outside of the Manchester clubs have the best chance really of of causing that big upset and actually and actually winning it
1: well listen i tend to agree with you and i was gonna say well so you beat me to the punch there but with that said everything that you said i agree with but i want to go back and talk about crystal palace because i think crystal palace have a very good chance and part of it is because of uh, the manager the manager knows how to win a cup or i should say win a cup but do well in a cup i been to a Europa League final with Roy Hodgson, so I know he knows how to handle cup competitions, and I think that's an advantage when you get in a situation like this. This is a wonderful opportunity for Crystal Palace. I would not say they are a team that cannot do this. I think that they can. I would agree with Guto that if I had to put a team ahead of that, it would have to be Wolves, because they were built last season uh, to be in the uh, Premier League. They had Premier League players in the championship, and now they're showing it this season in the Premier League. So can they do it? Absolutely. They would be the team to look at. But I'm not counting anyone out. You know, anyone from like you said, like from Swansea City to Watford to Crystal Palace. It's wide open. It really is because you guys are going to take this seriously, and some of the bigger clubs they have not taken it seriously. So there's an opportunity here.
2: Yeah, it, it, I think this is a very good year for this happen, and. I think the points about Crystal Palace are well made because uh, Palace were a goal and a pardue dance away from winning it uh, against a uh, top four. I've only oh. just got over it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, the dance, I mean, not the result. Oh, right. Yeah. No, naturally, <laughs> that would be far more scarring. That seems. That seems about right. Um, but uh, sticking with the FA Cup, um, I know uh, Gito and Jay, you brought up uh your clubs a little bit there but are you guys happy with how your your clubs have approached it i i totally agree um with russ that some of the bigger clubs didn't really put the effort into it this year um but but have you been pleased with with how you've approached it with the strength of squads you've been playing etc
4: i i personally absolutely delighted with the way the swans have done it i mean we were massively let down last season we got to the quarterfinals i mean swansea's for for my entire life our, our FA Cup record has been really bad um, mm-hmm. I think we've reached the fifth round twice in my lifetime um, before last season um, Was it the FA I,
2: Cup or the Carabao Cup where uh, you were facing us and just played like no one?
4: Oh that the FA Cup quarterfinal last yeah. year so we got we got to the FA Cup quarterfinal last year for the first time in more than 50 years everybody thinking, excited we were playing actually we were actually getting results in the league at that point um, so we thought brilliant this is our chance um we had lead um sorry spurs who who were our big bogey side in the premier league um got there really excited you know give it a good shot let's get through to the semi-finals and we basically folded we picked a weakened side against spurs um made all sorts of changes didn't really take it seriously did not turn up at all and it was such a disappointment when you get to that stage where once you're in the quarterfinals, you start thinking, especially as a Premier League team, this could be our year to, mm. if you know, at least make the the final. You know, um, even if we don't win it and get to that big occasion, but we just threw it away. We really did just wave the white flag and say, "No, nah, we we don't actually want to go any further. We 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 want to concentrate on the relegation battle." And um, look how well that ended up. <laughs> It, it was such a massive letdown last season. It was like a betrayal, I'll be honest, to, that we just didn't take it seriously and didn't take it, show it the kind of respect we all felt it should. And so far, at least this season, we've shown a heck of a lot of respect. We've picked um, strong sides in, in each of the rounds. Um, you know, we've... we've um, today, again, I mean, we switched keepers, but apart from that, it was probably the strongest team um, that we had available to us. Um, and... Um, You know, we we've really seen it as kind of, yeah, let's 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 take it seriously. Let's let's give it our best shot and see where it goes. And it's it's led us to our only our second quarter final in more than fifty years. Um so I'm absolutely thrilled. And it means actually, because we've you know, we're quite we're about nine points off the playoffs at the moment. Um they were always a bit of an outside shot, but now, you know, with every passing week we look less and less likely to get into those playoff spots. So if we lost today we would have really had nothing left to 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 look forward to this season it would have been just just basically see out the rest of the season and plan for plan for the next one um no we've got we still got something to look forward to and it's because we have actually taken it seriously we've gone we've taken on clubs like aston villa who you know have greater resource playing resources than we've got uh, and we've beaten them because we took it seriously and they didn't um and, yeah, it's, it's fantastic because a heck of a lot of the clubs above us in the league have not taken it seriously. They've, you know, they, they've gone out in the earlier rounds. Um, okay, they've got playoffs to, to chase for, but then you look at the other clubs around us on the table who've got nothing left to play for this season, and um, I'm sure they'd love to be in our position with a quarterfinal coming up.
2: Yeah, on our championship show, they've talked before about how, like, deep cup runs can really impede momentum being built in the league to try to push for those playoff spots. It sounds like you're not really disagreeing, more just saying that it doesn't really apply to Swansea here.
4: Yeah, exactly that. I mean we saw with Bristol City last season, um that, you know, they they got to the semi finals of the um League Cup and that did seem to take quite a lot out of them. They're in a similar position this season, um, in the league, um, doing they are doing probably quite a better than they were at the same stage last season. But um, I don't think Bristol City's fans are going to be devastated that they're out um, in um, at this stage of the season. Um, I think they'll be quite well. Just you know, obviously they'll they'll like to have won um, against Wolves, but I, th- I you know they're not going to be too disappointed because they've got a, a a really important few months left where they can get into the playoffs and get into the playoffs on form, which is the most important thing as well. But we get to this stage of the season. Um, so yeah, a lot of teams of the championship can say they've got bigger fish to fry. They don't need the distraction of the cup. The pr- Getting to the Premier League is more important. And I get that. Um, but for a club like Swansea, who's who have a best and outside chance of getting into the playoffs and who are perfectly safe um, and definitely aren't going down, um, yeah, it's 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 brilliant for us. We've we've not got. We can actually put most of our resources now into the FA Cup, hopefully, um, and that can become sort of the main thing in our season.
3: Fair play to Swansea, though, because I, I you know, I think it, it would have been easy for a club like Swansea to to want to be challenging for promotion to the Premier League. To easy for them to decide not to, you know, not to put out strong sides in, in the FA Cup. So fair play, and, and a similar position to us because. You know, we we have we have brought in some fringe players for 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 certain games, but you know, for the most part, we've played Wilfred Zaho, who is arguably our best player. Um, you know, in, in most rounds that we that we've played, so you know, there is an argument there that you know we have played strong strong-ish sides, but we have used uh, strength in depth. You know, we've got two really good goalkeepers. Um, that you know not not a lot of difference between them, so there's no reason why they they can't be chopped and changed um other areas where we've we've had injuries like James Tompkins, where we were we were never going to risk him today. Uh, Mamadou Sacco uh, went down injured last weekend, so we were never going to risk him today, but other than that we we've put out we fielded um you know strong enough sides. What annoyed me more early in the season is a team like Leicester, who faced Man City in the league Cup. They lost the game on penalties, but they played such a weakened side. If they'd have played their first team, you know, why would a team like Leicester, who've got no threat or or, or don't seem to have any threat of relegation, although they have been sinking down the table recently, but no no threat of relegation from the Premier League, but don't actually go for a cup competition, even if it is against City. You know, City, you know, aren't, aren't, you know, they're, they're human. They have had blips this season. Why couldn't they have gone unchallenged? They could well be playing in the cup final next weekend if you know if they'd have gone for it. Um, as we've said, you know teams who haven't taken it seriously have been knocked out, and you're seeing now that the teams that have filled their stronger sides and not taken the lower division sides so for granted are, are are in the quarterfinals um, by merit. The interesting thing is that uh, you know the bigger sides like City. Uh, United and Chelsea all have uh, European um, competitions still to play in, so whether that's gonna, you know, that's gonna get get more complex as 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 the next few weeks go on. Um, so whether that's gonna impact that impact them in terms of their team selection and stuff like that, my plans at the hands of you know the FA Cup and, and and certainly the hopes of the likes of Palace, Watford, Swansea, Brighton, and the like. But it, I, I don't I don't understand why teams don't go for it. And, and Guter has already mentioned the fact that you know teams like Watford, Brighton. Palace and, and Wolves in the Premier League, particularly, you know, wh- why not? You know, what other than surviving the Premier League? What else is there to go for? Get some silverware. I've I've spoken to Wigan fans before, who and Portsmouth fans who um, who would who wouldn't t- wouldn't change a thing from winning the FA Cup, um, even though they find themselves, you know, uh, Wigan in Championship and Portsmouth and in, in in League One. You know, they they've gone through some really bad times since they won the FA Cup, but they would not change a thing because their name is on the FA Cup. Palace can't say that. I can't say that as a Palace fan. However, what I can say is getting to the final uh, a couple of years ago against United, even though it hurt so much to lose it again after 1990. Um, you know, I want that feeling back again. You know, we were 10 minutes away from winning the FA Cup when Jason Puncher scored that goal. I just don't understand why fans don't want that as well. A lot of fans say no, we just want to, you know, stay in the Premier League. That's what we want to do. We you know we're, we're throwing the FA Cup, we're not interested. I don't I don't get it. Because that day at Wembley, even though we lost, was just an amazing day. We were like I say, we were ten minutes from winning the winning the uh, winning the cup. Um it didn't work out for us, but wouldn't change anything. Um another shot at it would be fantastic. So, you know, if those teams you know don't take it seriously and they've they've missed out, don't really care. If it if it if it works out for us, then brilliant.
2: Yeah, specifically for Palace, have you been pleased with how, you, how you've how you set up and played? Because uh, against us, it still felt like you were doing that kind of hybrid squad thing that Premier League <laughs> clubs do, where it's like, this team, in theory, is good enough to beat theirs, mm. and if we go yeah. past this, then we'll really start investing. Do you feel that that's how it's been handled?
3: Yeah, well, like I mentioned, you know, we've had injury problems for James Tompkins and Mamo Jusaka, which is why we've changed things at the back, you know, the, the, the two centre-back pairings, but you know, a couple of years ago, not many people have said Scott Dan would not be playing centre-back for Palace uh, in two years' time, which, you know, really is off the back of uh, a bad injury against City last season. But uh, he's come back fit again. Martin Kelly, I mean, he's an able deputy for both uh, Tompkins. And, he, I mean, he he comes in for Tompkins when Tompkins gets injured because he's made a glass anyway. So we don't really want to uh, threaten any time time out for him. Um I, I am happy, yeah, because I think there's been a good mix. You know, Roy knows his stuff. He knows the players on the training grounds. He knows which players need a break um, from the rigours of the Premier, the Premier League because, you know, for a club like Palace, it is tough playing against, the, you know, the, the, the top six sides. You know, you don't get a lot of the ball. Possession isn't isn't one of our strongest areas on the pitch, and that, you know, affects, you know, players' uh, uh, tiredness and you know wear and tear. Um, so, yeah, I am happy with way, the way we've done things. I'm not expecting... I'm not foolish enough to think that Roy's going to go out and play the strongest 11 we've got available at that point in time because. I think you've got to play the squad game. Um, but we're not making as many changes as, you know, we're not bringing youth players and we're, you know, we are playing players who, you know, Max Meyer should probably be starting for us now in the Premier League, but he's not getting in for one reason. or another, Well, probably more because Jeffrey Schlapp's playing so well lately. Um, but, you know, other, other players like Martin Kelly would probably get into a fair few other Premier League sides, a center, uh, centre-back, so would Scott Dan. So, you know, I think, you know, while we don't have a multitude of riches, we have a core of 20 20 odd players that we can call upon. Who, you know, while our first first choice, you know, our first choice is is pretty strong. Um, you know, we do have players able enough to step in and uh, and do a job as as we shown. I mean, we didn't need our first team uh, against uh, Tottenham, did we? Really? So. <laughs> 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 Sorry, yeah. a little dig. I, uh, I mean, yeah, it's uh, all right. yeah, no, no, you're right though, because you know we have made changes, but I think you know, face facts. We we do want to stay in the Premier League, but we do want to uh, you know be serious in the FA Cup, which uh, you know getting to the fifth round stage is is serious. And we would have played Zaha today if he wasn't suspended. There's no doubt about that. We would have played him today as we did against Grimsby. Um so yeah, we you know, we would have played um a stronger side if, if Wilf was uh, was fit today. So you yeah, fair play to Roy. He knows his stuff, he knows the players, he he sees them on the training ground, he knows which players to put out. Um as a Premier League side, we do have, you know, the opportunity to call on a a, a squad of players. We have a core, like I say, eighteen, nineteen, twenty players. Um uh elsewhere other than that you've you're you're dipping into to, to youth players, but we we haven't gone down that route. So uh, I think we've yeah we've we, we've done we've done it the right way you know not not completely the strong side but you know we have played we, we have played the right selection for the teams we've been up against and we've done the job so far so uh, long may it continue.
2: Yeah, Russ. Unfortunately, your FA Cup uh, journey a little bit shorter with a loss to Oldham. You did rotate pretty heavily, but I'm sure you we thought did. that that team was strong enough to be a League Two side.
1: And I think that's uh, the issue that I have. Because it is good enough. It, it, they should not have lost that, but that just showed what Fulham. I know it's funny to say that, but there are two matches that just show me why Fulmer doomed this season. One was against Oldham. The other one was against Palace. Because nothing against Crystal Palace. I have a lot of respect for Crystal Palace, but that was a match Fulham needed to win, and uh, they did not react well after going down a goal, and uh, credit to Crystal Palace. They took it to Fulham in the second half and deserved all three points. But the problem with Fulham is that they just don't have enough leaders on the pitch, and uh, there's no continuity, there's no togetherness, there's no identity. And uh, the older match showed that, and certainly the Crystal Palace match showed that. As we say on Cottage Talk all the time, where did the identity go? Identity left when they got rid of Slavisi Okanovic, and some fans don't want to hear that, but there really is no identity under Claudio Ranieri. He's trying to do a job, but the team that he has, again, doesn't have, I think, the skill set to play the way he wants them to. So when I go back and look at Oldham, they should have destroyed Oldham, but that was not the case. And same thing uh, when I look at Crystal Palace, that's a match that. On paper, Fulham should have gotten something out of, but they didn't. Uh, a lot of that has to do with Crystal Palace, but there's the part of it that has something to do with Fulham and uh, the FA Cup. Just proved to me that there's something really wrong with Fulham Football Club.
2: Yeah, it, it, it's not. <laughs> it's not been a great time at all. But at, at the time, did you have any issue with the team selection?
1: At the time, if I'm being honest, no, because I thought that team was good enough, like you said, to beat a League Two side. And um, I like what Jay was talking about because I understand why he's talking about wanting to get back to the final and win it this time. Because when you get that close, you want to go back. And I don't understand if any fans don't want that that Jay wants because Mm. I would want that. I would want to go back and I'd want to say, okay, it's time to correct what we didn't get done the first time. So I totally understand that. Listen, I I went to Wembley for the championship final. It's different than an FA Cup final, but to win that is amazing. And, Jay, honestly, I hope you get that opportunity to have that feeling because it's truly special.
3: It is. Thanks, man.
2: Yeah, now we've all discussed a lot about how certain clubs didn't really seem to invest in the tournament this season, and it has kind of seemed like uh, it has really declined in terms of importance, where the fans still want it, but especially with a manager like Pochettino, whose boss is Daniel Levy. Do you think Daniel Levy cares about (laughs) making sure that we have the Champions League money, or do you think he's worried about lifting a cup, or... For a club like Fulham, I know this wasn't exactly the situation, but with a relegation fight like Gitta, like you were saying with Swansea last season, is that not far more important, um, both for clout but also financially? I mean, staying in the Premier League saves you all that money. Um, If you get promoted out of the championship, you get a load of money. If you make a top-four spot, you get loads of money. Is that really as simple as this is, that the reason these big clubs aren't really invested— in the FA Cup or the Carabao Cup is just the finances for winning it don't match anywhere near the ones that you get uh, within the league?
1: I think it does come down to money. But as you said, Kevin, it's money in different ways. For the Mm -hmm. teams that are fighting in Europe, it's about getting more money in, in that direction. So you put more of your resources there. For a team like Swansea last season and Fulham this season, it's about staying in the league. So you're thinking of the financial ramifications there. So it is about money
3: you're right russ it is and and to be honest i still say now money is killing the game because you know the gaps are getting wider they really are i mean you know leicester winning the title was a real was a real shot in the arm to clubs like palace and you know any any club in the in a top two divisions even you know seeing leicester win the title but you know those top six clubs have now closed rank effectively spent more money than ever before you know since leicester won that title and it's it's highly unlikely that'll ever be um, ever ever happen again. Um, and, and obviously, you know, the, the, what what comes out of the Champions League and European competition now, when a lot of talk about a European Super League, that I, I think, to be honest, personally, I see that happen at some point because the the longer that the top six sides push the Premier League for more rights, more money, because they're being shown more on TV, and that's what the teams that people want to see. You know the other side of the world, etc. It's just going to leave the Premier League in an untenable position, and you know it, 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 football will end up eating itself at some point. It, it's got the bubble's got to burst at some point. And you know I've I've been a football fan since uh, since the late eighties, um, followed Palace since the late eighties, and and football has changed in it's unrecognizable now to what it was then. And I'm not, and I'm not saying money has been a bad thing because you know. I'm supporting a club that are in the Premier League and, and we're spending money to try and keep up with, you know, the other 20 sides in that Premier League. I say other 20 sides, we're talking other, other 14 sides really, aren't we? Rather than uh, trying to keep up with the top six. But um, I don't want to be negative about it because, it, but I, but I think the football has changed, f- you know, for the, for the worst really, um, because it's, it's no longer a game. You know, when when we look at decisions being made in a football pitch and, um, VAR being brought in, which which isn't a bad thing, but you know, you've just got to look at why things like that are being brought in, because at some point a referee is gonna make a decision uh and it's gonna implicate a club financially for a long period of time. Just imagine, you know, that championship final, that championship playoff final and the wrong decisions made by a referee and a team doesn't go up because of it and you know it's it, it, it can easily be done by you know a referee who's only human uh, you know and it, it'll only it's only a matter of time before a chairman or, or 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 some lawsuit happens because of that and because of a club hasn't made 100 million or whatever by being in the Premier League and that sort of thing and it, it's it's just so much to it now then like I say I hate to be I hate to be negative about it, but you know, I I love the game of football as, as much as the next person, but it, it, it's it it's changed an awful lot from what it used to be and it's it's so much more about the money rather than the actual game itself and you know, just watching a game, you know, it's win at all costs and yes, that used to be the case, but not not as much as, you know, the some of the acts that happen on the pitch and things like that, and it's it, it, it's just yeah, it, it's just crazy. I've gone off topic a little bit, I know, but it, it, it's just, it's just something close to my heart because football is, is a game. at the, end of the day, and you know, and, and, and fans seem to take it, it, fans take football seriously, which which is fine. I, I I get that completely, but why not enjoy it as well? You know, Palace fans tonight have had a lot of criticism for the atmosphere they created at Doncaster tonight, and the atmosphere in the Premier League is is it, it, pretty dead. You know, we, we go to games up and down the country and you, you probably see it on TV as well. When you're watching live games, you can hear the players talking. That shouldn't be happening. There should be an atmosphere at grounds. And Palace fans have been criticised for um, for the atmosphere at Doncaster today, which, you know, for for the way that, you know, some of the ultras dress in black and, uh, and have worn bandanas and stuff like that. What is, but they're creating atmosphere. The noise was there for the whole game today. Enjoying, supporting their club, supporting their club into a quarter final, making a real atmosphere about it. It's what Sellers is all about when when teams come to Sellers. You don't really get that in the rest of the Premier League. of have, uh, have given it a good shot this year. They've got a group of fans who who get behind it, but it just seems to be so serious now. And you know, it's it, it's just so far removed from from what it used to be from. Uh, you know, years ago when the Premier League started, it it kind of that's you know, kind of when things started to change. I mean, I think it was Leeds won a title before the Premier League started in '92, and you know, it's but since then it's it's all been very different. But uh, yeah, gone off on a tangent a bit, little bit there, but maybe opened a can of worms to you guys. But yeah, I I kind of think it's yeah, it, it's very different now.
4: Yeah, I, I I definitely think it's it's the money and just i think the importance has been placed on um, the the premier league not not just premier league but the kind of champions league and getting into europe and, and things like that i th- i think the big clubs will will always just focus mainly on um, on on champions league qualification and the rest of the premier league will always just concentrate on staying in the premier league more than anything else because even clubs who have no danger of going down i mean even even i mean Look at Watford. Watford made changes for for the um, QPR match the other night. I'm I'm not quite sure why. Watford may get a you know a, a European spot through the league, fine you know. But I, I yeah, it's it still puzzles me that they didn't put out their absolute strongest team for for QPR. Um, it's yeah, it it is a weird situation where every club outside the top six is. Totally and utterly uh, focused on on just staying up really, and that's their main objective. Apart from af- apart from ironically, a club like Wolves who've just come up from the Championship and kind of see greater things for themselves in the future. So so try to aim for that. Um, it is weird, and it's it's not healthy. I think you know if any team wants to wants to see where that can lead you, look at look at Swansea and the financial situation that we're in at the moment. When you kind of make. Survival—the be-all and end-all—it—it ends up kind of leading you to make some pretty awful um, decisions, which which backfire massively um, down the line. Um, Same same goes for a club like Newcastle. I mean, you look at somebody like Mike Ashley, who is happy to spend when they're outside the Championship because he's just desperate to get into the Premier League. But then once he's in the Premier League, he's just kind of happy just stay hovering above that dotted line it's it is a weird and unhealthy situation that everybody is just uh putting all their resources into just staying just above the three worst in the league it, it i don't think it makes for a good product as far as the um uh the premier league is concerned and it it, it really, you know it does severely damage the fa cup as well but this is what and it is down to the TV money that, that's involved. That that's what's driven it more than anything else. Um, and and it it's definitely not a healthy position for for clubs to be in. And um, really, if I'm being honest, the Premier League should be looking at ways to change it and the effort working with the FA as well because I don't think it makes for the best product um, with with the with the um, Premier when the Premier League comes to kind of selling itself and advertising itself a bit like Jay said. There really, when you've got most of the league just kind of focusing on 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 treading water rather than excelling it's it's not healthy for the brand
2: all right uh well we will now take a quick break and then we'll be back with club specific questions for each of our guests
0: if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers
1: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: All right, and we are back. Jay will lead in with you with Crystal Palace. Um, obviously, the, the biggest uh, deadline day deal probably was your very last minute acquisition of Mishi uh, what is, What is your impression been of him uh, in his few minutes at the club already? very good
3: um he's had a full game to, well not a four games so his, his first start today in the fa cup um he was starved of, of a fair bit of service today though um he's two cameos that he made in the previous two uh premier league games against fulham and west ham he he, he looked so lively i mean he he, he created the second goal uh, against fulham sorry russ <laughs> uh with very That's very okay, quick he did. feet yeah uh, with very quick feet great shot on a turn um and he was only on the pitch for, for less than 10 minutes and, and showed in that short space of time uh, what he could bring to um, a side which has struggled with strikers scoring goals this season. Uh, against West Ham, he had a bit longer, about half an hour, and he immediately turned the game into into Palace's favour a, a good half an hour. And his link-up play was uh, was brilliant. Um, Didn't see the same today against Doncaster, but I think we were quite reserved um, in terms of putting out professional formats to make sure that we got through this game today against Doncaster. Uh, Like I mentioned, the service was starved to him and it was kind of left to him to... You know, create his own opportunities, but he, he had uh, he had a couple of sniffs today. But he, there was too big a gap between the midfield and him to for him to really uh, create too much of an effect. But he, he was still dangerous when uh, he had a couple of chances, though. But yeah, in the two Premier League games, he's looked, he's looked a really good uh, acquisition. Obviously, that's only going to help with the likes of Benteke coming coming back fit all the time. Uh, we also have IU as well, um, so and, and and Connor Wickham as well. So we got we got a strike force of uh four, four actual strikers now so um if if some of those could uh, uh, uh you know chip in with some goals between now and the, end of the season then that would be great but i think i think batshuayi would be a real catalyst for that in you know, coming into the club Uh, fresh he scored goals at Dortmund didn't have as good a time at Valencia Um, a lot of clubs were 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 after him in January Um, a typical deadline day signing for us I said deadline day it was gone 11 o'clock when it was finally confirmed Um, but um, but yeah a really good signing for us really because it's something we needed in a a position we needed um, just to boost the ranks and yeah, still a bit nerve-wracking being three points above the relegation zone at the moment when we've picked up some good points in, in recent weeks but some of the teams below us seem to keep keep doing the same unfortunately but um, I, people keep saying we should have enough to be away from that bottom three but we don't seem to be able to create a, a big enough gap to to actually pull away but Obviously, the good thing is that, you know, us winning games and, and others as well, um, we're, we're bringing other teams into it, which, you know, can only be a good thing. So, um, yeah, so that's sure we're very happy with that. It was kind of a, a bit of a left field with signing. Um, it was believed to have been West Ham were the main protagonists of the signing. Uh, from Chelsea but we ended up being the ones to, to add him to our squad list uh, we made two other signings in January uh, Lucas Perry a goal, young goalkeeper uh, from Brazil because we had a goalkeeping crisis at some point, he is believed to uh, be a palace to uh, if he impresses then the plan is that Sproni will retire in the summer and he will be our number three keeper uh, going into next season. Um, but that remains to be seen. And Bakary Sako re-signed for us, which mm-hmm. which is a good fit. He knows us. He knows us as a club. Um, and he just comes back and fits in where where he left off, really. Um, so he's on loan from West, uh, West Brom. Um and he, he's, I think he's come on a couple of times for us since he uh, since he's come back, and it, he knows the club. Hodgson knows him. It, it was a it was a no-brainer getting him back in really, rather than somebody else you know, taking a gamble on. But Bashir was a big one, uh, a really good signing for us, and hopefully he'll help us uh, pull away from the bottom three.
2: Yeah, you brought up being uh, just three points above the relegation zone, and I actually had that written down as as kind of my (laughs) follow-up question for you already, so uh, you set that up kind of perfectly. Uh, It is surprising, considering the talent and the side, and as you say, I think most outside uh, perspectives would have you being safe as well, kind of under Mm. the there are three worst teams guidelines. But is there anything that needs to change in order for you to like definitely secure your place in the Premier League, or are you thinking just kind of keep rolling as you are, and, and then by the end of the season you should be fine?
3: I think integrating Betsio into the side, although um, he, you know he's already shown promise in in the two games I mentioned uh, just now. Uh, Benteke being back fully fit, he looks lively, bright, um, looks like a real pain to the opposition defenses in in, in the uh, couple of cameos he's made uh, since he's come back from injury, which is really positive for us. Unfortunately, Connor Wickham's taken a uh, taken a knock and he's, he's injured again, which is a real shame for us. Um, IU has improved, I have to say. Um, uh, Guter could probably add a bit to, to the IU uh, comments, but I think he really struggled at the start of the season. It's taken him a while to uh, to acclimatise to, to how we play because the way Palace play doesn't kind of lends itself very well to a striker. Um, and we have actually we played. Uh, Two strikers up front, uh, actual partnership, which I haven't seen Palace play a partnership up front for a very long time. We seem to play as with a lone striker and then we uh, more, probably more because we have Andros and, uh, and Wilf in the side. You know, we kind of have, you know, quick attacking players coming from the midfield, which, you know, helps support the front man. Um, so the way we play doesn't really lend itself to... To having a striker who you know gets played in all the time, and you know, it's more about having a striker that will you know feed you know the, the attacking players coming from coming the from midfield, like Wilf and Andros and Schlappi, and uh, and, and the rest, really. So, um, yeah, it, I, I the comment I hate fans say is that we're too good to go down because we're just not. Because if you don't get the points and you're in the bottom three, then then you're going down. Yeah, let's face facts, but. We shouldn't be there, um, but we are. Um, we're there for a reason because we've just not scored the goals. It'd be nice to be able to resolve that home form, which you know we have in in the last couple of home games. We we seem to have struggled because our setup is far better for playing away from home. Uh, we seem to play on the break. Um, I think we're the only team. That have really threatened Liverpool at Anfield this season. Uh, really t- took the game to them and uh, and exposed them. And I'm very surprised that other clubs haven't kind of followed suit in a way uh, since we uh, since we did that. Didn't come out with three points, but that's kind of how we play our football. And a lot of teams come to sell us now and and defend and start off with a with a very strong back line and and try and nick a goal. Um, and we're not that great at breaking teams down at home. So that's what we have to get better at between now and end of the season. But the last two home games, we have been better. Um, Bat I was a protagonist the last couple of games when he came on as some. Um, so hopefully, you know, with, with a few more options like that we have, that, uh, you know, we can do that a bit more at home. We do have um, games on our side. We've got, we've got games against the likes of Brighton, Bournemouth, Cardiff, so, you know, winning those games and we'd be fine. Um, but obviously, that's not the Palace way. we we'll probably have to go and beat, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of the other sides, like City and Arsenal. So uh, we'll, we'll see which way we're going to do it. But um, I'm hopeful we'll be all right. We do have enough talent on our side to be able to do it. But I, I'm not, I'm not going to say or fall into a trap and say we're too good to go down because we're, we're clearly not. I, I think it's one place up for grabs now. I think, um, apologies, Russ, I think Fulham do look a bit stuck at the moment in, in that second spot I think Hudders sort of pretty much gone already it's a real battle for that third spot and Cardiff are making a real fight for it and fair play to them because a lot of people had them down by Christmas um, so it's going to be interesting between now and then but like I say the points that we've picked up in recent weeks have brought other teams into play uh, we've just gone above Brighton which is which is great for us because you know we're not uh, we don't get on with Brighton at all uh, and we've got to play them as well in in a couple of weeks' time. So um, we have we have the fixtures to be able to get ourselves away from trouble. And it wouldn't surprise me if we end up finishing eleventh or tenth or something like that, which is what we did a couple of seasons mm-hmm. ago. So I think Newcastle um, yeah.
2: similar last season, we're like in the yeah. relegation fight, and they finished like eleventh, right. I think.
3: Yeah, uh, I think they finished tenth, and we finished eleventh. Oh wow. <laughs> Crazily enough, yeah, crazily enough, it's yeah. I mean, we say the championship last year
2: strengthens <laughs> strengthens your point right now. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right, well, great stuff from you, Jay. Gito, coming to you. It has been a very long time since we've had you on, obviously, since your uh, sojourn down to the championship. Uh, So for, for the outside fans looking in, things seem to have been going crazy ever since then, and arguably a little before then. So what's been happening at Swansea since we last spoke?
4: Oh, everything. Uh, I mean, just, just to update people, I mean, we went down from the Premier League last season. Uh, we sold uh, vast, the vast majority of our highest earners, um, many of whom were on a heck of a lot of money. Um, and all that money basically was tied into Premier League TV money. Um, the club, the, the accounts show the club had become entirely reliant, basically, on the money that we were getting from the Premier League uh, in, in TV money. And, uh, of course, when we got relegated, that, that instantly um, halved. And so, you know, you're talking half the club's income just disappeared overnight. Um, and, and, you know, we, we, we had to absolutely sell, sell, sell just to kind of try and balance the book. So we've tried to regroup with the remnants of the Premier League squad, which got relegated. Um, a lot of players we didn't really want at the club, but couldn't get rid of, Um and then a lot of young players, and you know, in, in fairness, um, we've had a pretty, uh, a pretty decent season, uh, all things considered. I think most Swansea fans are happy with things on the pitch. Uh, we're playing better football, much, much better football. We're actually enjoyable to watch again, which hasn't been the case for the last few years. Um, Graham Potter is working wonders with, you know, very little support from um, from upstairs um and uh, despite a backdrop of real um unrest among fans and dissatisfaction with the way the club has been run over the last few years uh on the pitch actually we are a breath of fresh air and it has been really nice to to watch us we've we're not going to be going up uh this season that's pretty clear i think we're nine points off the playoffs even with the game in hand um so the, the chances of us going up are very slim. We haven't won three games in a row this season, so inconsistency really is, has hampered us. Um, and I can't really see us doing a Fulham, uh, i.e. you know, putting together a really fantastic run of form uh, late on to, to try and storm, well, not just the top six, but they nearly stormed the top two. Um, that that looks extremely unlikely. I think um, probably on the field anyway, I think the Premier League is, is pretty... Uh, the FA Cup, sorry, is pretty much all we've got to play for this season. Um I don't think people are complaining. I think it could have gone a lot worse. Um, we've ge- we're generally putting good foundations in place. It's just this craziness off the pitch that, that threatens to kind of undo the good work that's been done on the pitch this season.
2: Yeah, and the craziness seemed to come in pretty much with the American owners and it certainly hasn't stopped uh, specifically, as I'm sure people will be aware, the, the Daniel James transfer saga uh, to Leeds on deadline day. Um, w- what did you make of that whole situation? And he obviously played very well today, uh, but how do you see it being resolved?
4: Oh, it, it's, that was depressing. Um, I mean, it was great that we managed to keep him in the end, but it it's opened up a whole different kind of worms. Basically, on deadline day, we tried to sell um, or offloads as many players as we could, I mean, Will Fraboni was £100,000 reportedly in the in the championship, I mean, that's an absurd amount of money um, for, for Will Fraboni, I mean, as brilliant as, as he was in his first spell here, um, you know, to sign him from Man City for, for £10 million and promise him £100,000 a week when we were, you know, looking likely to battle relegation, That and with no relegation clause at all, I mean, what were we thinking? Um, he's been the biggest anchor really this season. He's been the one that we've really um, put us in a lot of trouble, just his wages. Um, He's gone on loan, so we're not paying most of his wages at the moment. The same goes for Tom Carroll, who's gone to um, Spurs mercifully. Um, And uh, who else left in the end? I can't can't even remember. There was another player who did leave. uh, Andre, maybe? uh no Andre Ayou left in the summer on loan again couldn't find anybody to buy him um a bit like his brother nobody was stupid enough to actually pay for him uh, <laughs> so we, we had to we had we had to upload these players um it's yeah but the one player then um who looked certain to leave was Dan James who uh Leeds had been chasing um and had made their number one priority in january and he was up in leeds he had reportedly you know done all the the promotional video and the and the photos etc and then just when the final details needed to be uh ironed out uh, our chairman at the time hugh jenkins um just did not pick up the phone he refused he kind of switched his phone off and stubbornly said yeah we're not we're not negotiating on this um and that's why it didn't go through in the end, which is actually a very old tactic of Hugh Jenkins, which he used to use quite a lot. Were back when fans liked him, um, uh, <laughs> but this seems to have been kind of one last uh, middle finger in the direction of the American owners uh, on his part. The American owners seem to be the ones who were really pushing that move, uh, which which would have annoyed fans so much because I think we we can accept, you know, the likes of. Uh, you know the, the the likes of Alfie Mawson being sold to to Fulham, um, you know Fabianski being sold to West Ham. You know very good players, but players who we understand we can't really keep hold of when we're in when we go down to the Championship. Um, but the whole idea was that we were going to rebuild and rebuild around youth. And here you have a fantastic, lightning fast, brilliant dribbler um, playing on the wing, um, very young. You know, a full Welsh international Not fast
2: either. He seems to have a really good touch.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a brilliant dribbler. He is a brilliant, brilliant dribbler. Um, he's, you know, still got quite a bit of development to go, but there, there, are, there every sign points to him being a, a Premier League footballer in future and, and in the near future, if I'm being honest. Um, and here we were ready to not just sell him, apparently, I mean, Leeds didn't meet our evaluation, so we were willing for him to go on loan for the rest of the season to kind of uh, uh, give them time then to find the money, which, which just doesn't make sense. It's just... It was it was such a dispiriting um, saga, and and there seemed an inevitability about it. And then we pulled out at the last second. Um, he stayed with us until the end of the season. Now, who knows, you know, the the owners will still want to cash in on him at the end of the season. And the worrying thing for me is that if they're willing to cash in on on Daniel James, they're probably willing to cash in on anybody. Um, and we've got a lot of young players at the club at the moment who've got bright futures ahead of them, who are developing very quickly and will keep developing. The likes of Connor Roberts, who had a fantastic first half of the season, slowed down slightly, but you know for the first half of the season, was probably the best right back in the championship. Um, Ollie McBurney is one of um, the best young strikers outside the Premier League. Um, You've got then Joe Roden at centre back, uh, who's really looked solid um, this season. So you've got a lot of very good young players there who've come through the club, and we were meant to be kind of building around them for the future. Um, and it just it 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 would be it would feel like we were returning to short termism again um, if we were to just sell these at the, for to, you know the first time anybody comes in with a decent offer um and I, there's a real fear that you know in the summer Dan James will will be entering the final year of his contract unless he signs a new one in the next few months there's a real fear that again they're going to want to cash in on him and and once you know we've seen it before with swans what, once we set the precedent with these things uh it's very difficult to to change that and they'll just keep selling and selling and selling and you know the Fans have actually been very supportive of the rebuild and and the idea that we have to sell off the, the top earners and and build from scratch. Um, we accepted, yeah, we're not going to be challenging seriously for promotion this season, possibly not next season, but we wanted to see that kind of long term vision back at the club, um, that long term planning and selling our best young players, the uh, undoubtedly the best thing the club's got going for it at the moment. Um, at the first chance, it, it would just kill fans. It really would.
2: Yeah. Well, hopefully you can hang on to him and a lot of your prized young uh, players and make a, a push next season. If not this, um, Russ, obviously uh, in a situation, much like uh, Swansea, which we referenced earlier, uh with with your kind of danger area uh as uh jay mentioned earlier what are you seven points yes off uh 18th at the moment um in january you do do some business ryan babble in particular looked at very big threat against tottenham in our match which i think was his first one um when we came up against you do, do you feel you did enough in january to at least give yourselves the best chance at staying up
1: no absolutely not mm-hmm. and uh that will be the uh, final death knell for Fulham is that they did not do enough. Did they try? All indications is that they did. They actually had a couple of players that they were going to bring in at the last minute. But as we know, on uh, deadline day, things fall through. And it looks like a couple of deals fell through at the last minute. Including one what like
2: need... a situation where the French club just stopped answering phone calls.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that actually happened. or Well, uh, apparently, r- reportedly... A situation happened where the French team refused to answer emails, answer calls. That's been the speculation on that, and it's very deflating because uh, Fulham did not do nearly enough. And what I look at, and the reason why Jay's right, that there's no, there's very little chance that Fulham will survive. And uh, there are many factors in it. But the January transfer window was the last factor, honestly, because they could not get in defenders to really rebuild that defense. Yes, they brought in one, and uh, we'll see if he can be a help, but he came in injured. So that's a real big help. Hopefully he'll be ready to go Nordvite very soon. But based on the needs of the club, they just did not get enough done in the January transfer window to give themselves a chance. And, um, that, and that's all it was going to be was a chance to stay in the league. And right now, they really don't have one. And they don't deserve to be in the, in the Premier League next season, honestly. And, and like I said, there, there are many factors for this, Kevin. And uh, we were talking about this off air. It goes all the way back to planning for the new season. Listen, this is an excuse, but it's reality. Teams that win the championship final are basically three weeks behind everyone else, okay? Because you don't know which league you're going to be in, and that just hurts you. And that's not an excuse. That's the reality. So they were behind the eight ball to begin with, and then Fulham made the decision, rightfully so, and people have come at me with this. They made the right decision to be ambitious and look for players to not just survive in the Premier League, but to thrive. That was the way they were looking at it. And I don't blame them for that because they were thinking big. And I would rather them think big than just to survive. So I understand why they did that. It just didn't work out. It just did not come through. And for those who think that Fulham should have just went with the team that came up from the championship, you just don't know Fulham because many of their players were lone players. The only one that they were able really to bring back was Mitrovic, thankfully. But they really missed out on that target. They, they lost Ryan Fredericks. And what you're left with is a championship defense. When you're def- Cyrus Christie at right back, Dennis Adoy and Tim Ream as your center back pairing, and Joe Bryan as your, as your left back, you are in trouble. You are in a lot of trouble. And we joke on um, Cottage Talk that this defense might – be 20th in the championship. That's how bad the defense is. So they really have not given themselves a chance. And then they don't have any identity. They lost it when they got rid of the I was not in favor of this. I understand why they did that because they wanted to stay in the league, but they brought in Ranieri as a completely different style. And the players really don't fit the way he wants to play. It's all square pegs and round holes. Um. Uh, the biggest indicator for me that Fulham were not going to do anything the rest of the season was watching Ranieri with his starting 11 and he plays Tom Kearney on the right. Anyone that has watched Fulham knows that he cannot play wide. And if you're going to play him wide, I know Ranieri has all this experience, won the, won the title with, uh, with Leicester City and is a wonderful manager. How can he not know that you cannot play Tom Kearney out wide? And that just indicated that this was not going to be foam season, and we are likely to go down, and I would be highly surprised if they can figure this out. They don't have the players to play under Ranieri, and it's just been basically just a dumpster fire, Kevin.
2: Yeah, I don't think anybody predicted that things would be this bad. As you know, we predicted early struggles for you on this very show, but thought that you'd kind of work through them, and that just doesn't seem to be the case, even since the hiring of Ranieri. Um, Do you think that you'll just stick with Ranieri thick and thin through the end of the season and then see what happens, or could we see a 2013 situation where you consider making another managerial change within one year?
1: (laughs) It's a great question because it's something that we've talked about on cottage talk. And if they were going to do it, I I would have thought they would have done it already. And Kevin, I actually want them to, I know that's crazy to Mm -hmm. say, because I said, I didn't want them to go down the McGath route. But the problem is that what Raniere is doing right now is doing absolutely nothing to their chances to stay in the premier league. Again, it's the wrong fit with the players that he has. If ownership wanted Ranieri. They basically should have bought, I'm not kidding, seven to eight new players to play specifically for Ranieri. And they didn't do that. They brought in three, but it was not enough. So you do not have the players to play the way he wants them to play. He is basically benching Tom Kearney and Ryan Sessignon. And he's been complaining that Ryan Sessignon, basically, I'm paraphrasing, is not strong enough and, you know, basically not nasty enough. And again, fine. You believe that? But he is probably the most talented player that they have, and I'll say that even more than Mitrovic. And he is really not willing to play Ryan Session to the amount that he needs to play. He needs to go. But you know what? I don't think that they're going to do that. And I can't believe I'm saying that because I was completely against going down this route. But the last couple matches have proved it to me that... He needs to go. He is not the manager to keep them in the Premier League. He's certainly not the manager once they leave to get them back up.
2: Yeah, that was going to be my question: is if you did replace him, would you rather get somebody that would follow you down?
1: I would. I would rather have someone that, again, you know, can can bring them up. He's not the man for that. He doesn't. You know, like I said, the fact that he doesn't want to you know use the players to their best ability, get the most out of them. you know. And, and again, uh, I hate to use a Patriots reference, but you're going to understand this, Kevin. Uh, Bill Belichick gets the most out of every single one of his players, plays to mm-hmm. their strengths. Ranieri's not doing that. He is absolutely not doing that. I do not want to see him as their manager in the championship. Absolutely not. It would be a mistake. He's a wonderful manager, not for this team.
2: Yeah, well, we'll certainly see what happens with Fulham the rest of the season. Hard to think that anybody could come in and keep you safe, but maybe it is time to start looking ahead uh, to next season at that position. All right, uh, well, we've run a little bit long already, so we don't really have time to get to the last two segments, but I am curious to hear the answers. So for the most truncated version of Player Watch we've ever done, we were going to discuss which player has been the biggest disappointment at your club this season instead of getting to talk about it a whole lot. Uh, Just give me the name. Uh, Jay, for Crystal Palace, who's been the most disappointing?
3: Oh dear um most disappointing uh yeah, you want a short answer, so uh, <laughs> i think Benteke. I, I i mean yeah, he was carrying an injury for the first half of the season that we now know this, uh carrying it from the end of last season um but yeah he yeah i mean it's probably a bit harsh, he's missed a few months of football, um, uh, but now he's back, he looks a bit more hungry, he looks fitter. Um, and hopefully that's going to change. but I think yeah he's been he's been a disappointment this year.
2: All right, ghetto. Uh,
4: probably Barry McKay. Um just uh, he, there's clearly some talent there. He started off the season really really well, but since then I mean he's just crumbled. He, I think mentally uh, he seemed weak. he's just scared of his own shadow. Um, he, he just doesn't look confident at all on the ball and just doesn't look like he's ever going to do anything. Um, re and uh, you know they, we haven't had that many disappointments, but but he really has failed to to hit them off
2: Surprised you didn't say nothing but maybe there just weren't ever expectations there in the first place. Uh, yeah, he's,
4: he's actually exceeded expectations because he's always been rubbish. But actually, in the championship, he's, he's okay. about his level.
2: Yeah. Uh, all right, and Russell, we'll wrap up with you. This is probably the hardest of the lot. Who's <laughs> yeah. been the most disappointing at Fulham?
1: Well, if I can't say the entire team, which I'm not going to say the entire team, I'm going to basically give it a tie to two players for different reasons. I'm going to say Jean-Michael Surrey because he came in with a huge reputation, just hasn't lived up to it. He's been better lately, but it just hasn't worked out to where he was, what full supporters expected him to be. Um, in fact, I, I really thought that he would turn out to be a player that was going to dominate from central midfield. It just hasn't worked out that way, but I, I think... A, a lot also has to do with the players around him. It just has been a mess. The other player, fortunately, is going to be... A lot of that has to do with injury. Uh, he has been injured. He came to Fulham injured, and he is injured now. And uh, not having him available regularly has basically screwed up Fulham's defense. And like I said, a lot of this isn't his fault. And some of it is the fault of slavisi Jokanovic, who did not like how Mawson played, apparently. Because he was refusing to play him in a good portion of the time that he got healthy. And so for me, it's Mawson and Seri and uh, Ty.
2: Interesting stuff for sure. All right, that will do it for us today. But guys, thanks so much for coming back on. Really appreciate it. If you'd like to tell the folks where they could find you, now would be a good time.
3: Yeah, pleasure to be back on uh, the podcast. Um, you can get me at the Eagles Beak on Twitter. Uh, article's going online on a daily basis and we'll have one online uh, with the statistics, statistics from today's FA Cup win uh, and also uh, feel free to tune in to uh, the Marino Sports Show which is on local community radio, you get it online, you can find us on Twitter at the Marino SS, we have a new ethic of playing bands who um, don't normally get the airplay I deserve uh, this year and it's working really well and obviously we've talked sport um, and mostly football as well and we go on off on tangents a little bit like I have tonight to be honest so uh, apologies for that but if you want more of that then, uh, then tune in every Tuesday night for me
4: uh, Yeah, thanks for having me back on again uh, you can listen to the latest episode of The Jackcast which will be recorded tomorrow night that should be up uh, before the end of the week you can find that on Twitter at The Jackcast
1: and again, my name is Russ Goldman, host of Cottage Talk, a podcast about Fulham Football Club. You can follow us on Twitter at Cottage Talk and also like Score Goldman. And the uh, podcast is wherever you can get podcasts. And uh, I recently moved to the uh, hosting site is Spreaker. So please feel free to check us out on uh, Spreaker.
2: All right. Thanks so much for joining us again t- today, guys. It was an absolute pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening.